Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. It's the championship weekend in the NFL, and in this episode, we will cover the AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, We're also going to get to Andy's total prop tease and get to your news of the week. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, dude, man. I'm doing awesome. This weekend is like my Christmas. You've got the four best teams squaring off against each other to see which one's going to the big dance. You don't have the sideshow distractions like who's singing during the halftime show and all this other nonsense. This is just pure football. And none of the teams that we're going to be watching this weekend played on wildcard weekend. So I think the league got what they wanted in terms of the best four teams uh, going to the championship weekend. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, do you know who the uh, last two seed was to beat a one seed? Um, I do, actually. You do? <laughs> it's my 49ers, man. It was your 2013 49ers when they made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. and in fact, and I'll allude to this later, but they were the last team, uh, road team, to, uh, to win outright in the NFC. Actually, for both both leagues afc and nfc yep the entire nfl so props to the niners there yeah 2013 was a a good vintage what did you think of last week's games i'll be honest i was terribly disappointed with the colts performance yeah i was as well they couldn't get anything going with marlon mack and no they were i mean they were dialing up the same same defenses they were doing in baltimore the week before it's not like they had changed anything yeah and uh, I'll say the same thing about uh, the LA Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers. I don't know what they were doing. Like that, the the cover three was a great idea the week prior. But you're playing Tom Brady. Yeah, you don't want to do play a lot of its own. Necessity, or did they do that as a luxury? Because- well, if you're going to throw seven DBs in there, you can't <laughs> tell me you're going to you can't do man coverage or at least man underneath because it was the bread and butter last week for the Patriots to do those pick routes oh, or those yeah. quick underneath into the flats. And they had no answer for it because Tom Brady and some of his more veteran receivers like Edelman are able to find the holes in the zone. It's a lot easier to just get into a hole, sit down and Brady reads it so well. Like that's actually one of the big things for this weekend that we'll talk about that I think Kansas City's got to do is they got to watch that underneath stuff because right now uh, Brady's more like what Joe Montana was doing uh, in in uh, San Francisco when he was you know winning Super Bowls was he just takes what the defense is going to give you he'll five he'll five yard ten yard you all the way down the field but next thing you know he's in the end zone. Well, when I was watching that game, an analogy came. It's not like this. Uh, the chart. I still want to call them San Diego Chargers. It's not like the LA Chargers were mugged at gunpoint by the Patriots. It was like they got pickpocketed, and before they knew it, it was twenty-one nothing. Yeah, you know, like you don't even notice it. It's just, oh my god, they've just marched down the field, and you know, there wasn't too many plays over fifteen yards. As you say, there was just dink and dunk to Edelman or James White. James White had fifteen receptions last game, and he's a running back. <laughs> so. 
I don't know, Brady or uh, Belichick and Brady, they just know how to dissect you. Yeah, I'll never go against them in Foxborough again because no. Belichick's going to be 70 and Brady's going to be like 61 and they're going to win another playoff game. It's Yeah, I think you're right. Every year, I, you know, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the end of that show. No, not even close, but There's you're some right. sort of magic they got in Foxborough, though. And the crowd gets so into it. Uh, Philip Rivers couldn't hear a damn thing that was going on. No, he couldn't. They they looked lackluster though on defense, offense, running game. Now he threw for over three hundred yards. He I did. He was three thirty one. He threw for three touchdowns and no interceptions. Yep. And they still got their asses handed to them. Yeah, well it's like you said, it was twenty one nothing before he could even figure out what was going on. Well, I think it was twenty one nothing before they even introduced the offensive line for the Chargers. <laughs> What'd you think of Vinatieri? Well, I was going to ask you about it. Do you think his two misses made you feel a little bit better about Cody Parkey? Uh, well, you know, Vinatieri is one of the all-time greats, and I actually thought that had he made a couple of those kicks, it might have been a different game just because it would have put a little bit more pressure on Well, it would have been a one-score game in the end of the fourth quarter, right? Right, yeah. So I thought that was pretty costly, but not as costly as Cody Parkey. And let me go off on a little something, too. Uh, there was, I think it's Goose Island Beer held a contest, the Cody Parkey Challenge, and 101 people tried to hit a 43-yard field goal, and none of them hit. And people are pointing to that like, see, it's not as easy as it seems. I've never once said kicking a field goal is easy. In fact, I think it's far from it. However, when you are getting paid millions of dollars to make that kick, then I expect it to be. I don't expect rank amateurs to be able to run up to a football and throw it 43 yards between a set of uprights. But I expect the professional kicker that's been hired to do so to do it. And had that been Parky's only miss of the season, or no, you know, he, like right, he had, he, he, had, he had 11 others or 10 others. That's anyway, right? that's my point. This is a cumulative thing that I feel about Cody Parky. He was unreliable all season long. The Bears need that special teams edge because they. They don't win by huge margins usually. The, he's got to be gone, and for people saying it's not as easy as it seems, no, of course it's not. But when you're getting paid millions of dollars, it's your fucking job. Nut up. Put it between the uprights. Now, do you think of those 100 people um, that had joined that beer contest, do you think Cody Parkey ever went to their place of work and knocked the burgers off their grill? <laughs> no, probably not. And could he could he flip them like a, a pro? I don't know. Like he's he's got one job: put it through the uprights. That's it. Yeah, and he didn't, and it cost him. And Vinatieri, I think, uh, not as much as Parky, but Vinatieri cost his team uh, big time. Yeah. Well, the Ch Kansas City Chiefs got their first home win in the playoffs since a guy named Joe Montana was there in the mid nineties. So good for them. Got that monkey off their back. And now they've got a very tall order against the Patriots from New England coming into town um, in a very cold environment. Now, we'll get to that a little bit later. But right now, let's, let's see what's happening in the news of the week, Matty. The Mile High City may be getting a whole lot higher. An advocacy group has collected nearly 9,500 signatures to get a measure on the ballot in May that would decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms in Denver. We want people kept out of prison. Families kept together, said Kevin Matthews, the campaign director, to decriminalize Denver. That was the main motivation for this. 
Under federal law, psychedelic mushrooms are classified as a Schedule One drug, the same as heroin or LSD. This means they have no current accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. Well, it certainly could explain John Elway's personnel strategy. You know, speaking of mushrooms, did you happen to see Adam Gase's introductory press conference? On Monday night, President Donald Trump hosted the Clemson University football team at the White House to celebrate the team's victory in the National College playoffs. Because of the government shutdown, Trump brought a boatload worth of fast food like McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King to feed the players. I think we're going to serve McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King's with some pizza. I really mean it. It'll be interesting. And I would think that's their favorite food. I'm certain that is exactly what elite athletes consume on a regular basis. Perhaps Trump just wanted an excuse to eat that himself. Diabetes. On a positive note, Trump told Congress it wouldn't cost the U.S. taxpayers anything because he was going to convince Taco Bell to pay for it all. A lot of politicians have said, oh, they're not going to pay. They never read the art of the deal. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Let's fire it up. It's time for our weekly picks. And we start off championship weekend Sunday afternoon in the Big Easy. New Orleans, three-point favorites against the visiting L.A. Rams. Uh, the total for the over-under on this game is 56.5. And, a half. and uh, I like the over, and uh, I like L.A. here. Talk me off that ledge. I don't think I'm going to try to talk you off the over, but we can certainly talk about this three-point spread, which was three-and-a-half all week leading up to yesterday. Um, not a big surprise. New Orleans plays, New Orleans plays really well at home. Uh, they have a distinct home field advantage, um, probably more so than a lot of a lot of teams in the league. Um, now, since New Orleans, they kind of got painted into a corner early on in the season. We thought their defense was going to come out in September as being hot, 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 but they were anything but. However, since week seven, they're only allowing 16.9 points a game. And in that time frame, they got 28 sacks. In addition to that, we're talking about home field advantage. Sean Payton at home in the playoffs, 6-0 and straight up. And in fact, as you alluded to earlier, uh, home teams have won the last 10 championship games straight up. The last one not to do that was Atlanta, who were hosting the San Francisco 49ers in January of 2013. Well, I know we like to speak of the recency effect, and uh, I want to look back at last week because what travels really well? Because the Saints do have a great home field vit advantage in the, uh, at the Superdome, um, but rushing and defense travels well. And last week, 273 total rushing yards between C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. And uh, on the other side of the ball, their defense held the league's rushing leader, Ezekiel Elliott, to only 47 yards. Um, they're running the ball 63% of the time, tops in the NFL, and that's Sean McVay saying, hey, you think I only had pass ideas? Look at my run. He uses a lot of motion and jet sweeps. That uh, gets the defense moving before the snap, which allows uh, different, different ways to hand off the ball 
as well as a cool play action. You play action it, and the defense is moving one way. You get bringing a receiver coming back the other way, and it's a high high percentage completion pass. So, uh, I think that if the Saints want to win this game, they really got to stop the run, and they didn't allow a 100 yard rusher all season long. So if they want to win, they better make this last game a perfect season. Yeah, I think this one. I mean, people always call it a chess match, but I think this this one really is as such. You mentioned C.J. Anderson, who had 123 yards on the ground last week. C.J. Anderson looked like he ate Todd Gurley before the game. Did you see that guy? Fat! Oh, yeah, he's rumbling, stumbling, fumbling, but he just he can move. For he a can big move. man, he can move. And he hits that hole really well. And with the way their old line was playing, he was getting into the secondary sometimes, probably 50% of the time before he got contact. Yeah, it was unreal, man. Uh, he was on the Dan Patrick show this week on Tuesday, and apparently he's been putting on weight because his wife is getting ready to have a baby. <laughs> he, he said, right now, I'm 5'8", about 235, so I'm only about 10 pounds over what I'm normally. I got a baby girl due in April, so I'm kind of having that man pregnancy weight. What the hell is that? <laughs> That is uh, that is an interesting cat right there, I'll tell you. But, man, he runs like a freaking beast. And they're going to yeah. need him on Sunday. They're going to need both he and Gurley. Uh, they need definitely need more than 100 yards rushing to be able to beat the Saints, to be able to control the ball. And on the other side, they're going to have to play a lot of tight coverage on Michael Thomas because we saw what happens if you aren't. Uh, the guy was a fucking one-man wrecking crew during crunch time last week he nabbed 20 catches pardon me 12 catches en route to 171 yards only the fifth player in super bowl era to have 12 plus catches and 170 plus yards in a playoff game that's so pretty that sweet will be, yeah that'll be akeem talib's duty is to take care of him yeah um, they might sure even they, want to put up another guy on him <laughs> well you probably have some sort of combo of a man's own coverage but that that looks to be the guy to try to shut him down. But you're right. If you can't shut Michael Thomas down, you're not shutting the, the New Orleans Saints down. Well, he crushed them uh, in week nine, 12 catches, 211 yards, 11 first downs, and 104 yards after the catch. They definitely have to stay on him because if you let that guy run wild, uh, it's going to be a long day for your secondary, and Drew Brees is going to be having his way with you. So I, you've got to stop Thomas. Uh, the defense has to get... Uh, some pressure and you've got Aaron Donald to do that um, I like I like McVeigh and his crew to come up also with a creative defensive strategy for this as well now one of the most impressive things that I thought occurred in the last game against the Eagles was that one drive that they put together that was over 11 minutes long I think it was almost 12 minutes long in one drive which was an NFL record for a playoff game but that Philadelphia defense looked absolutely gassed after that. They they couldn't catch their breath. They were on the sidelines. Fletcher Cox had to go out and suck on some oxygen. Uh, if well, they can, it doesn't help you when your offense comes back and goes three and out, and you're back on the field for another twelve minutes. No, it doesn't help. Right. But I think that their time of possession is going to be a key factor for both teams, and I think uh, whoever occupies that the most has the best chance of winning. Obviously, but. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a low-scoring game either. Um, these these two offenses are probably, I would say, the best in the NFC. 
in terms of putting up points. Yeah, I li- I definitely like the over here. I like the over. I, I I do too. I mean, it's a high number, yeah. but um, you know, they're indoors, they're on turf. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it'll take too long to get to that number. Um, but as far as picks go, you're uh, you're on the side of the Rams, are you? you? Like the underdog. I like the underdog here with the three points for sure, and I I have a feeling, a suspicious feeling that you could pick them on the money line as well. But uh, I definitely like them with the three points. Well, I don't. I like the New Orleans Saints. I'm, I'm ecstatic that this number came down from three and a half to three. I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about the hook, but I, I think the Saints are going marching in. I think they can cover this fairly handily. <laughs> And the evening game, the AFC Championship, is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, three-point favorites at Arrowhead, and uh, the New England Patriots coming to town. And You know, the Patriots showed last week, you know, you can't really always count them out. However, uh, they are not in Foxborough this week, and uh, it was such a tight game between these two when they met in the regular season, and New England eked it out, but they eked it out in Foxborough. This is at Arrowhead. Casey favored by three points. And uh, hint, hint, I'm loving the Chiefs right now. Talk me off of that if you can. I'm not sure if I'm going to. Um, I think the story of this game is going to be the temperature. And right now in that, in that evening with the wind chill, uh, 23 degrees is going to feel about two degrees Fahrenheit. And that's going to be one of the lowest temperatures ever seen in a playoff game. Last week at Arrowhead, they had the largest snowfall in five years in Kansas City. That didn't seem to affect the play on the field at all. That The total went down three and a half points, I think it was, by game time, just based on the weather alone. And clearly went over went over in the first half. Um, cold's a different animal than, than snow. Um, wind certainly plays a factor, but there's not too much wind to speak of, at least forecasted. But when the temperature gets to almost zero... That ball feels like a rock, and whether it, you're talking about how it affects the kicking game or the throwing game, uh, I, I think they're they're going to have to play small ball here. Uh, forgive the basketball analogy, but they're going to have to do the dink and dunk thing, which we know Brady's really good at, and Brady has played in temperatures like this before. Now you got Mahomes, who came from Texas Tech. This is probably the coldest game he's ever played in in his life, by far. So it's how these two guys are going to handle it. You've got the young, the young punk who can't do anything wrong, and then you've got the old geriatric, experienced guy who's seen there, been there, done that. Well, I don't know. Who, who do you think the temperature fail, uh, favors? Well, temperature-wise, I've always felt that the cold is defense weather. Um, I was a defensive player. I used to love it when it was cold because you could target the receiver's hands and a uh, lot more, lot more drop passes. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks aren't quite as accurate. Um, now, that being said, though, I know you, with Mahomes, we're thinking he comes from Texas, maybe he doesn't like the cold. I'll tell you this, man. I remember when I was his age, <laughs> you know, going out and playing in the, you know, even just in the schoolyard, and you got a pair of sweatpants on and a T-shirt, and it's, you know, minus 12, minus 15 Celsius, that is. So... I think the young guys, they can handle it. It's just a matter of uh, how accurate they can be. 
and uh, the D has to show up for for the Chiefs. And the, like the way they played against the tough Colts O line, like the Colts O line was killing it all year long, and the Chiefs D really manhandled them last week. Uh, they're gonna have to do that again uh, against New England because the only way to really beat New England is stuff Sony Michelle make them go one-dimensional with the pass and get pressure on Brady. You can't give that guy time. And then, of course, from what we saw last week, you got to watch those pick routes and those little crossing routes that are like, you know, five, seven, ten yards. Uh, Brady is making uh, a killing on those passes. It's a very high percentage. Yeah, and I think Kansas City's defense not only surprised but impressed a lot of people last week, but it really shouldn't. If you look in the numbers... Um, they were only allowing 17.4 points a game at Arrowhead this year, which is actually the third best in the league for a home record. And their average margin of victory at home was 14.8 points, over two touchdowns. Now, you compare that to the way the Pats are scoring on the road, they scored 12.2 fewer points per game this year on the road. Um, now, if you want to look at their historical playoff record, um, they've lost their last three playoff games on the road straight up. And if you look at the regular season losses, which were five, um, they were three and five on the road. Uh, five losses came against teams that didn't even make the playoffs. So they're an entirely different animal. Once you get outside the safe confines of Foxborough stadium. Well, if the Pats want any hope of winning the game, they got to keep up their pressure rate. And that's good because they've got a 32.3% pressure rate against quarterbacks since week 12. That's the highest in the NFL. And you got to get to Mahomes. You got to make them uncomfortable. And uh, another thing that I found interesting about uh, the Pats, interesting stat here is that when Sony Michelle is in the game, the Pats run the ball 75% of the time. So, I mean, you can really start keying on that and hopefully the, def- the defense can keep him in place. You've got to stop Sony Michelle. They, Sony Michelle and the Pats offensive line uh, last game was just incredible. And I'm sure that Belichick's going to look to continue that because that takes the pressure off of Brady. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's it's no surprise, but the secret ingredient to Belichick winning in the playoffs is that he'll take away your biggest weapon. So who is that going to be this week? Is it going to be Travis Kelsey, who caught seven balls for 108 yards? Or is it Damian Williams, who went 129 yards rushing on 25 carries with one touchdown? Yeah, Kareem who? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That Williams kid just took over and he's putting on a clinic, which I think is great. I think Belichick is going to focus on Kelsey because he's the type of guy that, and and the Patriots know with Gronkowski or what Gronkowski used to be, that that can be a game changer, a tight end that can move up and down the field and and be effective in the red zone. Well, and for a young, I I agree with you there because for a young quarterback, the tight end routes are often like a safety blanket. And if Mahomes can kind of keep a high completion rate going with Travis Kelsey, he gets in a rhythm. Right, and mm-hmm. he starts to feel a little bit more comfortable because he knows he's got a safety outlet who can go up and make plays as well, and that gives him his chance to take his shots downfield. So, if they don't have Travis Kelsey, that's going to upset Mahomes. He's not going to have as much to throw to, and uh, I agree with you. You want Damian Williams to have to beat you if they're going to beat you. But even watching Mahomes the last few weeks, do you not get the do you not get the impression that he could hit Stevie Wonder in the open flat? 
oh. and still make a completion. He's making no-look passes. I wouldn't be surprised if he dropkicks someone a pass in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> no, the guy's incredible. And you, you figure his, his youth and inexperience was going to come into play, but it certainly didn't last week. Now, one thing I will bring up was the pass rush that the Chargers or the absence, rather, of a pass rush that the Chargers did not get to Brady at all. I don't know how many times they blitzed or even tried to pressure Brady, but it looked like he had all day in the pocket if he wanted to. And the Chiefs certainly aren't going to allow that. No, you're right. The Chargers made the mistake of going into that game with the defense they had the previous week, and that was a huge mistake. Uh, You needed to formulate something for Tom Brady and... Belichick's offense and just playing a cover three with seven DBs that just gave Brady the entire underneath of the field to play with and he literally nickeled and dimed them to uh to a win so one more interesting stat though too uh because the Chiefs they do need to pressure Brady 52 52 sacks this season tied for most in the NFL yeah not a lot of people would have would have guessed that because they've been just tarnished with this reputation of having a soft defense, which in a lot of metrics, they are at the very bottom of the league. Uh, But again, at home, different team on the road, Pat's a different team. I don't think three points is too big to overcome for Kansas city. I really don't see this being a track meet as far as being a big score fest. And that mostly has to do with the temperature. You're going to have a lot of drop passes. Uh, They're going to try to pound the ball, keep the clock moving. Uh, field goals will be few and far between. Uh, I see this one going under. I see a slow p- place of play, but I do see Kansas City coming out with a victory and covering three points. Yeah, I'm with you, Kansas City, with the under 55.5 total points. Well, it's time for the championship weekend edition of Andy's Total Prop Tease. This is where Andy makes a recommendation on a point total prop bet. And finally, a teaser. We invite you to do the uh, same thing along with us on our Facebook fan page. A successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. So take out your Swami hat, buddy. Give us your championship weekend thoughts. Well, the pickings are getting slim now that we're down to four teams. So this will be our last total prop tease of the year. Obviously, we're not going to do it um, for the Super Bowl weekend, being at just one matchup. But for the total here... Let's look to the Rams and Saints game going over 56 and a half. Big number, but there's two big offenses there. The last four NFL championship games have gone over. This game is being played inside on turf. Um, I, I'm, I'm liking this to go over 56 and a half. Proposition bet. James White pass receptions sitting at five and a half right now. To lay the over, you have to drop a buck 20. But that's not a big deal. He had 15 receptions last week, and this number at five and a half, Belichick just does a great job of using this guy in the playoffs when it really matters, and he is their he is their line of safety blanket, and uh, I'm looking for him to have a pretty good day. Lastly, the tees, and that will be the Rams and the Saints on the total. So you're teasing the over, which is now 50 and a half, and quite the opposite in the next game. So you're going to tease Kansas City and New England under the number, uh, which would bring the total to 61.5. So let's recap. For our total, we're going to have the Rams Saints over 56.5. Our proposition bet is for James White to have more than 5.5 pass receptions. And our teaser is Rams Saints game over and Kansas City, New England under. 
Well, thank you for listening to the Championship Weekend episode of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content. And please submit any questions you might have to almostwiseguys at gmail.com. From the Cosa Nostra studios, for Andy, the prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Sayonara.